For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So, have you seen any good football games lately? <laughs> oh, man, it has been three days since the nuttiness in Eugene, and I still can't believe what we saw. We're going to spend a good portion of our time talking about that and a little bit of look ahead to what awaits the Stanford Cardinal this Saturday in South Bend. It's the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, Tuesday, September 25th, 2018. Glad you're spending part of your day with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity, and uh, <laughs> my head still sweated after uh, what we saw uh, between Stanford and Oregon last Saturday. Uh, thank you for joining the show. You're going to hear some of David Shaw's most pertinent thoughts breaking down that game now that he's had a couple of days to look at the tape and, and do all those things. And plus, we're gonna also, also going to start turning our attentions a little bit to a uh, fairly important football game happening in South Bend, Indiana this Saturday evening between the number seven Stanford Cardinal and the number eight Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Batting down the hatches, that one uh, should have implications that that stretch beyond merely the Pac-12. You'll hear from David Shaw coming up in just a couple of minutes or so. First, just some overall, you know, ground rules here, even though this show doesn't really necessarily have rules. Well, actually, no, we do have a couple of rules here on the show. Number one, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. That's, that's rule number one. <laughs> All right. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Rule number two, follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity is the way to uh, get at me, uh, or at least to follow me on Twitter. The best way to get at me is to hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to ensure that uh, I will see uh, your thoughts on this show, on Stanford football, on, on anything else in the world. But if you keep those thoughts to this show on Stanford football, the, those thoughts have a much better chance of actually being uh, relayed on the program itself. I'm indeed Troy Clarity, and uh, boy, I'm looking forward to this Saturday. Play-by-play uh, -play announcer for the Pac-12 Network. So I've got a soc I've got two soccer doubleheaders coming up this week: Thursday in Berkeley and uh, Sunday at Stanford. Looking forward to number one Stanford versus number two USC in women's soccer on Sunday afternoon. And this is my 26th season of following and broadcasting Stanford football, and I've seen a lot of things, some great, some not so great. And what we saw on Saturday against the Oregon Ducks in Eugene last week ranks right up there with one of the all-time things that I've had a chance to experience in, in covering this team. Even though I did it from my couch, didn't make the road trip up to Eugene last week, not making the road trip to South Bend this weekend either. Boy, it kills me to miss it. But, hey, you know, Pac-12 network duty calls. It's all good. And even though I wasn't in the building at Autzen Stadium on Saturday, 
I'm pretty sure that I was just like you in the third quarter when the scoreboard at Autzen Stadium said Oregon 30, Stanford 7. I thought it was over. I, I thought it was a done deal and that Stanford was going to go off to not an unsurpri- not, not a surprising loss, uh, maybe surprising in the way that it appeared to be developing. You didn't think that Stanford would get run out of the building as it was threatening to, as they were threatening to be at that point. But Oregon scoring a touchdown, Jalen Red getting in on the end around, and it was 30 to 7. But, but Red's front foot hit the pylon and was called correctly out of bounds. I was a bit confused on this as well. And then I remembered because I thought that. You know, if the, if, 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 the, if the foot hits the pylon, then he's in, and that's a touchdown. That's what I was thinking. Forgetting in, in the heat of the moment that that applies to the ball. If a player reaches out for the pylon and the ball hits the pylon, then it's a touchdown. Parts of the body, not so much, especially if the ball is not inbounds or at least does not break the plane of the goal line at the time the body part is hitting the pylon. So I, I kind of forgotten that part of it. The officials didn't. They wiped the touchdown off the board. It remained 24-7. And then a few plays later, the season, a potential season-changing sequence, certainly a game-changing sequence, in which a high snap went off of Justin Herbert's outstretched fingertips, scooped up by, jo- by Joey Alfieri, who goes 80 yards for the score, That made it 24-14, and then that set in motion an incredible sequence of events that eventually ended with a win for Stanford in overtime. 38-31, the final score, Cardinal knocking off the Oregon Ducks in, in one of the games of the year so far this season. Now, it wasn't a straight line to victory for Stanford. It wasn't a straight line because they certainly needed some help along the way. And they also made some mistakes along the way, too. Had some things go against them along the way as well. Stanford going for it on fourth and one inside Oregon territory with the game on the line. And the Ogre got stuffed. Cameron Scarlett never even really had a chance. And you think the game's over then. But then Oregon forgetting how to effectively run out of clock. And I feel bad. I feel bad for the poor kid for Oregon who fumbled, but he did. He did. Stanford took advantage with inside a minute to go, 51 seconds on the clock, as a matter of fact, and the Cardinal able to kick the, go- the, the, the game-time field goal to send it to overtime. So it certainly wasn't a straight line for victory for Stanford from the moment that Joey Alfieri picked up that ball and took it to the house. wasn't a straight line, but the Cardinal got there. They got there. So now they're 4-0 and heading off to South Bend. What a game. Incredible game. And every Tuesday, David Shaw and Stanford football put on a weekly press conference in which a few of us gather in either an auditorium at the Aga Family Sports Center or one of the conference rooms, depending upon what's available. But David Shaw holds court. An offensive player holds court. A defensive player hangs out as well. But uh, the star of the show here is David Shaw. And what we're going to do on this TreeCast 
is something we did a couple times last year, and, and people really liked it, so we're going to bring it back again uh, this year. But we're going to play four downs with David Shaw. I'll give you the four most pertinent sound bites from his weekly press conference that came earlier this morning, as I speak. You might be listening to this on Wednesday, so it'll be yesterday for you. Isn't time amazing? We're going to play four downs with David Shaw. We're going to start here on first down. Stanford got back into that game against Oregon, making big plays on offense. Look, Justin Herbert was, was, was sensational. Sensational. What, 25 or 27 in regulation? Did I see that right? He was fantastic and put on one of the better quarterbacking exhibitions that I've seen on any level of football. But K.J. Costello had a hell of a day, too. He made big-time throws. Caden Smith with big catches. J.J. Arcego-Whiteside with big grabs. Colby Parkinson with the touchdown that will go down in Stanford lore, batting it to himself and, and scoring the go-ahead and the eventual game-winning touchdown in overtime. Stanford made big plays to stay in the ballgame. First down with David Shaw is this. Hey, coach, what does that say about this team, the fact that they were able to make big plays to come back and win a ball game? That's a testament to our guys um, being resilient. The key now is to play like that in the first quarter um, and not wait till we're 17 points down. Uh, so that, that's the key for us to, to take that next step um, and play another very, very good team uh, on the road and, and see if we can play for four quarters at that level instead of a quarter and a half. On that, there was just by chance uh, audio was caught at the as KJ and Jesse Perkett were running off the field of KJ saying, once we're settled, we're good. And Jesse quips back, we need to get to that earlier. So it seems like <laughs> these guys, you know, they're aware that they want to start faster. What have you seen that maybe are some of the holdups and what gives you confidence it will get solved? Well, we have a lot of maturity on this football team, which I told you from the beginning, I'm, I'm trying to lean on both sides of the ball. But this was still game one on the road. Yeah, first game on the road uh, and in that environment. I mean, it's, it's you know, we're going to play in a couple of really, really loud environments. Um, one again this week and then going to Washington. And it's, it's unsettling. There's a reason why those teams have won a lot of games at home. So part of it is adjusting to that. And there's going to be an adjustment period. There'll be an adjustment period this, this week at Notre Dame. You would love for that adjustment period to be half of a quarter. You know, the first couple of drives on both sides of the ball before you settle down and not two and a half quarters. So that's the key um, to get everybody, everybody settled and just executing um, at a high level and dealing with when you're on the road against a really good team, you're going to get their best shots. They're going to come out swinging, and the crowd's going to be on their side, and you have to be able to deal, deal with that. That's David Shaw, and I also included a question from uh, Jacob Rayburn from Rivals.com because I thought that was a, a very pertinent question, and it also added on to the, uh, to, to the, to the subplot that Stanford uh, and the big plays that, that Stanford needed to get back into that ballgame. And, and he's correct. You know, Stanford just needs to find a way to put four quarters together instead of just merely a quarter and a half. By the way, Jesse Forget, you're going to hear from him as he is scheduled to join 
uh, TreeCast later on in the week to help us preview Stanford versus Notre Dame. So Jesse Burkett, who had the quote of the day, I thought, <laughs> when he was walking off the field with uh, K.J. Costello, and K.J. said, hey, once we got settled down, we were fine. And Jesse said, hey, we just need to do that sooner. <laughs> Jesse was right, and, and, and David Shaw is, is, is right there, too. Uh, slow starts, unfortunately, have, have largely been been a problem for Stanford for much of, for most of Stanford's games this year. Now, first drive against USC, they came out smoking. That was, that's still, well, maybe not anymore, considering the three-play drive that Stanford used to get into the end zone uh, late into that game against Oregon. But for sustained excellence, I guess, on offense, that opening drive against USC, still as good as the Cardinals looked on offense this year. Outside of that, it's been relatively tough sledding. Slow starts offensively for Stanford for one reason or another. And David Shaw, you heard him note that, look, there's going to be an adjustment period, especially here in South Bend when you're on the road. And hopefully that adjustment period only lasts about a half quarter or so. I'm right, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. You know, because that adjustment period, mostly because, look, Notre Dame's going to throw some different looks at you. They're going to throw some things, unscouted looks. I learned a new term today at, uh, at, the, at the football press conference day. Unscouted looks. Things that, you know, you can watch all the tape that you want, and you should. You can be prepared for all sorts of things. But how can you adjust when you see something that you're not used to seeing? That's part of what makes the quarterback so important in David Shaw's offense. It's also what makes Lance Anderson such a fantastic defensive coordinator. How can you adjust? How quickly can you adjust? Those things are going to be key for Stanford in South Bend this week. Another opponent where they're on the road. It's going to be 80,000 plus. It's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. And it's going to be one of the most, most watched games in the country this upcoming Saturday. But Stanford needs to find ways to make big plays. Little plays are cool. I, I like little plays. I like little plays that you make to convert third down and to keep the ball. Play possession ball. I, I'm fine with that. But sometimes little plays aren't enough. Sometimes you need big plays to get it done, too. Can Stanford do it? Well, that might be a big subplot against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish this upcoming week. Another subplot that has been something that we have watched throughout the entire season to this point has been the fortunes of the Stanford offensive line. And it's been tough. We've talked about this. They haven't been able to get five healthy guys, it seems, across the board really at any point this year. And we saw some shuffling around throughout the Oregon game as well. Started with Walker Little, Brandon Fanica, Jesse Burkett. And then it started with Drew Dahlman at right guard and Nate Herbig at right tackle. That's how Stanford rolled on the first two plays from scrimmage. Check out the first play from scrimmage. Second play, they took out Dahlman, put in Nick Wilson at right guard. And then on third down, they put in A.T. Hall at right tackle and switched uh, Nate Herbig back over to his natural right guard spot. 
but injuries have been a bit of an issue for the offensive line, and so has inconsistency, as it's been relatively tough sledding. Some of that because teams are putting 13, 14, 27 guys in the box to try to stop Bryce Love, so it's going to make it tough for your offensive line no matter what you do in that situation. That's part of it. That's part of it. But all those things have kind of conspired against the offensive line a bit to this point in the season. Second down with David Shaw is this. As Coach was asked by R.J. Abadia of TheBootleg.com, is the key to, to offensive and running game success going forward, is the key just as simple as getting, getting the same five guys to play in back-to-back weeks? That's part of it. And the other part of it is um, getting five guys to play at a level which inspires us to let them play week after week. Um, we still have some inconsistency uh, up front. And yesterday we talked about individual accountability. Um, it ain't just the new O-line coach. It ain't just you know, the defenses we play. Um, it's about taking the proper footwork, um, taking the proper targets. And then once you're blocking a guy, he's got to stay blocked. I mean, these guys are not blocking dummies. They're going to fight to get off. We can't say, well, I, I started off pretty well. Well, the running back's seven yards back there. By the time he gets to the line of scrimmage, if your guy's not blocked, then he didn't do your job. Um, so it's, it's making sure we're continually doing the right things with the right people, making sure we're working on the right techniques, and making sure we're going out on game day and executing. So um, I think we have still one of the most explosive backs in America, and He's only gotten a couple of legitimate shots to make plays, and that has to increase. That's David Shaw telling us that the offensive line still needs to get in gear. And I, I could sense watching David Shaw go through that answer and listening back to it again, I, I could sense his frustration at the offensive line. Certainly, you could sense it with how he began that answer. I mean, yeah, maybe it's you know just as simple as getting the, the same five healthy guys to play back-to-back weeks, but the guys that we play out there, they have to give us reason to put them out there in back-to-back weeks. And we've heard David Shaw's frustration with the offensive line um, hinted at at other times throughout the year. He's he hasn't been happy with the left guard situation throughout the entire year, it seems, to this point. Uh, Devery Hamilton is scheduled to play again. Uh, he is uh, supposed to come back uh, for uh, the game against Notre Dame. So that's, that's certainly good news. But overall, the offensive line has been a, a source of frustration for Stanford fans and for the coaches alike. And for various reasons, they just can't quite seem to find the right five guys to... Try to get it done. That being said, in the second half, when things shifted back to their, their natural course, when A.T. Hall came back in in the second half, as I mentioned, he played a little bit in the first half, but when he came back in and I believe played the entire second half and overtime period, allowing Nate Herbig to slide back over to the right guard spot, that, that seemed to really take the Stanford rushing attack uh, to a different level that it had not been able to, to achieve to that point in the game. And look, overall, I thought the Stanford offensive line played better against Oregon than I was expecting. That final play of the first half when Walker Little unfortunately let the Oregon pass rusher right around him 
and K.J. Costello got sacked for a big loss. I thought that was going to be, and I feared that was going to be, uh, a more often, a more common occurrence against the Ducks coming into that game. I was not liking what I was seeing from the injury report standpoint and based on, on what I had seen from the offensive line coming into that Oregon game. But right from the start, you could tell pass protection had improved, and you could also tell that, that the running game, the run blocking had improved a little bit as well. Stanford didn't seem to be placed in as many second and long, second and super long situations. Now, is it completely clean up front? No, 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 it's not. But it was better overall than I was expecting. And A.T. Hall's return certainly uh, did wonders in pointing the Cardinal offensive line in the right direction. So that appears to be getting better by our, uh, right in front of our very eyes. That said, huge test for them coming up this week in South Bend. We're doing four downs with David Shaw here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity or send me a thought, hashtag TreeCast. Defensive backs. We talked with uh, Stanford defensive backs coach Dwayne Aquina on last week's TreeCast previewing things. Uh, he was raved about Paulson Adebo last week, and rightfully so. That young man has been sensational this season. And boy, when the game was absolutely positively on the line, the youngster came through big, big. Dylan Mitchell, what was it, 14 catches, 239 yards for Oregon? Uh, I go back to the 90s and watching Kristen McLemore just rip the Cardinal to shreds every single year. I was so glad when Kristen McLemore uh, left the Oregon Duck program and when he graduated from Eugene. I was so happy. Dylan Mitchell put on that kind of performance uh, against the Cardinal last week. But the secondary stabilized when it needed to the most and tightened up when it needed to the most. We talk about the corners. We've talked to Elijah Holder. We've also talked to Paul Nadebo. We've talked about those two young men as well. But what about the safeties? What about the safety position? How has that fared this season? Let's address that as we go to third down with David Shaw, as he shares his thoughts on how things have shaken out in the safety spots for the Cardinal this year. Well, the good thing is we got Malik Antoine back um, just in time. And Malik played a really good game. Um, so that, that was able to have a little bit of a trade-off. We missed one veteran player and brought back Malik, who's been great all offseason. Um, so we, we have some depth right now. Um, Noah Williams came in and made an unbelievable play at the end of the game. Um, Brandon Simmons is back healthy, got back on special teams this week. Um, he's got to be prepared on the defensive side also because we've been so banged up so many different places. So um, we, it, it's not quite where the offensive line is, which is a complete triage unit sometimes. But uh, defensive back-wise, we've played at a high level, but we're not super healthy right now. So, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge uh, for communication, I have to say. We, didn't, we made some plays last week and missed some other plays, but still our safety play has been at a high level as far as diagnosing things, getting, making great calls, getting everybody on the same page, and we're going to need that uh, big time this week. Doing the safety dance with David Shaw on third down. Boy, how about Noah Williams? How about that young man? Wasn't, didn't even have a scholarship a few weeks ago, but just had it awarded to him. 
a couple of weeks ago, and there he is having a hand in one of the biggest plays of the game, forcing the fumble that uh, gave Stanford new life and a chance to kick the game a tying field goal at the end of regulation. How about Noah Williams? Shout out to that young man. And good to see Brandon Simmons back and dressed. Uh, you heard Coach Shaw address him. Uh, hadn't played up until the Oregon game, uh, but was able to dress, get in a little bit of special teams. And uh, he might be uh, dependent on uh, at the safety spot a little bit as well, especially since it seems like Ben Edwards is going to be out for a few more weeks. So that's certainly something to watch as well. But Malik Antoine's return, as well as Brandon Simmons' return, uh, both potentially uh, bode well for Stanford's efforts from the safety position. Now, of course, Simmons, his best work is done on special teams. That dude is one of the best gunners in the country. Punt returns, kick returns, forget it. That man, that young man is lights out. And he's a great young man to chat with um, as well. It wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, he is a guest on a, on a forthcoming tree cast. But, but good to have Brandon Simmons back, not just from a defensive standpoint, but also from a special teams uh, perspective as well. But I wanted to throw that in there a little bit as well because, uh, you know, you talk about the corners when you talk about the defensive backs, and rightfully so. But the safeties, safeties, so important. Remember the Alamo Bowl last year after Justin Reed got hurt? Safety play so critical to a defense's fortunes. And while David Shaw thinks it can get to a higher level, he's still overall happy with how things have gone at that spot so far. All right, fourth down. As we're going four downs on David Shaw's uh, weekly press conference, which happens every Tuesday late morning on the Stanford campus. Stanford and Notre Dame obviously doesn't have any implications from a Pac-12 standpoint. Look, last week's win for the Cardinal was big because that was a North Division rival. And it potentially paves the way, and it pr probably even clears the way, for a high-stakes, maybe winner-take-all game in the North on November 3rd between Stanford and Washington. At least that's how I think it's shaping up right now at this point. That's why I bought my plane ticket to Seattle on Saturday night after the game was done. But even though there are no Pac-12 implications between Stanford and Notre Dame, there are some larger implications out there. Number seven Stanford versus number eight Notre Dame. Folks think that if Stanford beats Notre Dame, then they're a shoe-in for the college football playoff. Fourth down with David Shaw. Hey, coach, how about it? If Stanford beats Notre Dame, are the Cardinal in the conversation for the playoffs this year? There, there's no conversation. There, there's, um, it's, it's the difference between the world that I live in and the world that, that you all exist in, which for me is you're not going to a bowl game until they invite you to a bowl game. You're not going to the playoff until they tell you you're in the playoff. You haven't won a game, all this probability stuff, you haven't won a game until the game is over. So for me, there's no conversation because there's no, the, the end is nowhere in sight. Um, we're 2-0 in our conference, which is huge for us right now. It's the most important thing we got going for us. We got a big game um, on the road again this week. And for us to think about anything else, I think it's asinine. Um, we don't have the crystal ball. We don't have the... Um, ability to see what happens beyond next week. 
Um, all we know is we got we got the first week of school. We got to get the guys organized. Um, make sure they get enough rest and get enough sleep. Travel, adjust our clocks, and try to go play a football game. That's David Shaw putting the kibosh on any Stanford playoff conversation should the Cardinal beat Notre Dame this Saturday. Um, he's right, but he's also incorrect at the exact same time. And, and I understand both sides of this because, you know, I, I think both things are equally true. And, and yes, he's, he's right. There, there is no conversation from his perspective, from his standpoint, if Stanford beats Notre Dame on Saturday. There is no conversation because he's still got to figure out a way to beat Washington. He's still got to figure out a way to beat Utah next week. That won't be easy. He's still got to figure out a way to go down to Arizona State and get a win there. Who knows what Washington State's going to look like. Cal looks improved to this point, you know, and UCLA, I, I, there are going to be a lot of unknowns surrounding that game too. So, yeah, from his standpoint, he's correct. There is no conversation about the playoff. However, for the rest of us, if Stanford beats Notre Dame on Saturday, it's not going to stop the speculation. It's not going to stop all the talking heads on ESPN and the other networks from trying to figure out where Stanford fits in the playoff equation from here going forward, at least until the first uh, CFP rankings are announced uh, later on in October. And look, let's face it. If you beat Notre Dame, Notre Dame still carries a lot of weight nationwide. And Notre Dame, you could argue, is overrated. And by that very function, by that very nature, if you beat Notre Dame, that means you are overrated too. That's just how it works. That's just how it works. So David Shaw doesn't want to believe it. David Shaw doesn't want to hear it. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. If Stanford wins on Saturday against Notre Dame, then yes, Stanford will be in the college football playoff conversation which is always a good place to be. That's a big if, though. It's a mighty ask for the Stanford Cardinal this week. And we'll get more into that on the next TreeCast with Troy Clarity, which will likely come your way probably on Friday. Be on the lookout for it early on Friday morning. Matter of fact, be sure to subscribe to the TreeCast via Apple Podcasts. That way, once it hits, once it drops, boom, you've got it right there um, in your inbox, and you are good to go right from the start. Don't forget, follow me at Troy Clarity on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. And again, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you to those of you who have done so so far. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Again, we'll likely see you on Friday because I have a soccer doubleheader coming up on Thursday, so I'm not going to be able to post this, post the next recast on Thursday. So we'll likely talk to you on Friday morning. Uh, looking forward to chatting with Stanford Center Jesse Burkett. Going inside the trenches with him. That should be fun. Looking forward to that. Until then, don't drink and drive if you do you're the dumbest person on the planet. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. And we'll talk to you next time. This is the TreeCast with Troy Clary. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.